Hi folks, Daniel Mullins here. Thank you so much for supporting Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast. Before we start with today's episode, I want to invite you to join Ty and myself for a very special event coming up in Raleigh, North Carolina during the 2019 World of Bluegrass hosted by the International Bluegrass Music Association. On Friday, September the 27th, we will be recording a live podcast with special guest Alan Mills. Alan Mills is a beloved member of the bluegrass community, founding member of the legendary bluegrass band The Lost and Found, and a founding member of the International Bluegrass Music Association. I know we'll have a ton of fun, we'll laugh, and we'll learn from a real bluegrass legend, and you are invited to join us 10.30 a.m. at the Raleigh Convention Center in Raleigh, North Carolina on Friday, September the 27th. We'll be at the workshop stage and we hope that you'll join us for a live podcast recording as we sit down with bluegrass legend Alan Mills, a 2019 recipient of IBMA's Distinguished Achievement Award. That's Friday, September the 27th, 10.30 a.m. Join us for a live podcast recording. And now on to the next episode of Walls of Time. Thank you. Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast is sponsored by Hoosier Devil, supporting and promoting roots music in Western North Carolina and beyond. Owned and operated by Maggie Rainwater, who incidentally is one of the hardest working people I know, Hoosier Devil offers a variety of services including graphic and web design, publicity, and social media management to promote your band, album, or event. Visit the team on social media at HoosierDevil.com. That's H-O-O-S-I-E-R-D-E-V-I-L.com. Hoosier Devil. Welcome to Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast. Field interviews with the best in bluegrass. The positivity of Danny Paisley. Hailing from Pennsylvania, Danny is what one would call pedigreed bluegrass. He grew up playing this music alongside his legendary father, Bob Paisley, in the Southern Grass, as they put the Baltimore area on the bluegrass map, playing with a hard-driving and intense style fondly referred to as Baltimore Barroom Bluegrass. Hear all about Danny's formative years with his father Bob, his early influences, his world travels playing music, and what he learned from his dad and others about professionalism, positivity, and the power of hardcore bluegrass. Let's join Danny and Daniel on the deck of a cruise ship in the Caribbean. First of all, you've always got a smile on your face, always <laughs> laughing so easy. Where where does that come from? Where does that positive outlook come from? My father, Bob Paisley, was a optimistic, very positive guy. And he had some hard times in his life, but he, he'd always find the good out of every situation. So it took me a long time to to gain that. But people don't want pay good money and come and see you grouchy and mad as some bluegrassers can do you know so i i figure i'm a pretty lucky guy i get to pick bluegrass music for a living you know can't beat that <laughs> no yeah <laughs> do what i want and uh, uh sing the songs i like so life is good <laughs> yeah you mentioned that your dad was an optimistic guy and then yeah. he went through some hard times well what were some impactful moments for you on seeing him have a positive attitude in spite of his circumstances? Really, he had sickness all his life. Many people didn't know that he walked around with a cane and a, uh, uh, he had no hip joint. 
he had an artificial hip put in, and basically the last uh, 20 years or more of his life, there was no hip joint. Wow. They put him on a leg brace and tried to say, you need this. And he wore that for about a year, and he went to therapy and built up the muscles and said, no, I'm not not wearing that leg brace. So that's the reason he he had a real build-up, real high shoe that he'd have to get, you know. And uh, he, he, he... had troubles and then he had heart troubles and then of course cancer got to him but all the way through cancer treatments they had no more medicines to give him and he'd say they have an experiment uh, experimental uh, medicine for him and he'd say well may not do any good for me but if it will work for somebody else i'm all for it wow so he was that way yeah As a kid, did you ever get frustrated with your dad having a positive attitude exactly. when you wanted to have a when sour day? <laughs> yeah, when you're mad and something's not going right and you're huffing and puffing about something and he'd come up with some positive little word, you'd say, well, you be quiet. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you started playing music with your dad? Well, my father played with a gentleman named Ted Lunding. And Ted was a great mountain banjo player. And they all come from the region of uh, Galax, Virginia, or my father come right across the border area in uh, uh, Jefferson, North Carolina. A large migration moved to the Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland borderline, little north of Baltimore. And so they had a band forever. So I loved the music, just totally fascinated with it you know they'd have practice sessions and i'd sit in the floor and in the middle of them just take it all in so i always wanted to play just always wanted to play and my dad sang a real high tenor type voice and him and ted had some of the greatest duets and i just loved it they just got to me so bad so i started playing and they needed the bass player so they taught me how to play the bass and i played the bass for them and then uh, then switched over to the guitar. So, and uh, full-time, I went in a band about 1974. And, and how old were you? Uh, 74, I'd be about 14, 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> We'd play, uh, as a lot of bluegrass bands had to do back then, play these little clubs, and they'd always come and say, now, how, how old are you? And since I'm rather large man i'd always say oh 21 (laughs) (laughs) as a wide-eyed 14 year old getting to play bluegrass full-time that early you surely saw some interesting sights and, and got quite an education you know what i was very lucky i got to see the first generation when i was young i can remember going to sunset park which is an old country music park near home and seeing Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs. Oh, wow. And everybody was there to see Earl, you know. I was just totally fascinated with Lester Flat. He was bigger than God, you know. And he walked out on that stage and that lumbering sort of walk and his MC work, and I just, man, you can't beat this. Then years passed, seen the country gentleman, and then one of the very first festivals we ever played was Carlton Haney who was a great bluegrass promoter, and he had the seldom scene. So I remember when they were just getting started, 
John Duffy and all that, you know, his soaring tenor, and it was great. <laughs> and you being from that area, the gentlemen in the scene were were probably, you know, they were huge. They walked on water. Yes, yeah. they were in uh, the D.C. area, and D.C. had a lot of great bluegrass, Cliff Waldron, and just so on. So many great ones. Uh, you mentioned seeing Lester Flat. Uh-huh. Um, who were some of your other your big influences? Stanley Brothers. Really, my father loved Carter Stanley. And, and Ralph Stanley, too. And uh, I can remember when uh, being a real young fellow seeing uh, Carter right after, or seeing Ralph right after uh, Carter had passed away and Larry Sparks and, and such, seeing that. Reno and Smiley, Reno and Harold. Um, Del McCurry lived in our area, so we'd seen him a lot. Uh, so on it's just incredible the music that i've seen in my life i think you know I, I, <laughs> oh yeah I, another say of being positive i count myself lucky yeah <laughs> so in addition to being one of uh, bluegrass's most celebrated vocalists you've also got quite a unique style of bluegrass rhythm who who were some of your biggest influences on uh, rhythm guitar my father he played with a thumb pick and around home that's all there was and uh, when i first start strumming the guitar it was just a thumb pick. He never used a finger pick like Lester Flat. My father, coming from the North Carolina uh, region, they played a lot of old-timey uh, st- uh, string band stuff. And uh, he would uh, play fiddle tunes, they would, for 15 minutes. So he had a very unique guitar runs that he could do and, and uh, different things. I mentioned that you're a celebrated vocalist in the world of bluegrass, male vocalist of the year in 2016. (laughs) How would you best describe your approach to bluegrass singing? Ever-changing. When I was younger, I sang high, like uh, Love Del McCurry, uh, Bill Monroe, oh my, Love Bill Monroe, Ralph Stanley, and I sang a lot in that high pitch. As I've gotten older, I learned uh, to appreciate a lot of other guys like Mac Wiseman. Uh, some of the most unique bluegrass songs Mac Wiseman has done. <laughs> oh, totally. And one of uh, bluegrass's most unique vocalists it, as well. Truly, yeah. You know, and, and so that influenced me. And uh, it's a hodgepodge of a whole bunch, I think. And every day it's a little different because if I feel like singing this way, I sing it this way. <laughs> and I'll change around and emphasize different words on day one but day two i'll do it a different way <laughs> so you don't ever sing a song the same way twice i drive other singers crazy <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you're always you know taking in soaking up different influences mm-hmm. why do you think it's important for uh, for bluegrass musicians to always be learning the music's always changing as today it's going to a younger crowd and we have to even in the traditional bluegrass field, we have to change a little bit with it. And uh, they're hearing things that we don't hear. So I always say, listen. Yeah. <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned traditional bluegrass, and, and you're just one of the, the, the pillars of traditional bluegrass these days. What about the traditional style of bluegrass music appeals to you? There was a group when I was young. We, we used to play with a lot uh, for the Carlton Haney Festival circuit, Shenandoah Cut-Ups. And they, this guy, Billy Edwards, had this driving banjo and uh, Tater Tate on the fiddle. I fell in love with that bluegrass. Man, that was music that got right to me. 
I mean, that drive and that fiddle just is strong and powerful. And Billy Edwards played the banjo, and he, when he sang a lot of lead on the verses, and he never stopped his banjo picking. He'd keep a roll going. Boy, that music was just full, you know, and I, I just loved that. I just, that was one of my biggest. Charlie Moore, another one of my heroes. I loved his real baritone style voice and the songs he'd pick out, and I uh, just loved that. So many more. Larry Sparks. Who doesn't love Larry Sparks? Absolutely. <laughs> Good grief. Well, where do you see uh, traditional bluegrass here in present times? There's a there's a place for it. There's a place for it all. Um, I'm going to do traditional bluegrass. Uh, Joe Mullins going to do traditional bluegrass. Larry Sparks is going to do traditional bluegrass. I think the key is we have to keep it fresh. We, we can do bluegrass in an older style, but we don't always have to sing about mountains. We do, but we need to, you know, open it up a little bit. Young kids today can't really relate to old living and, and cabins and things. They don't know anything about that. Where our father's generation, they had previous family. Your grandparents and such that did live in that way. So, so we need to keep it fresh. fellas it's time to care about your hair i was just like you doing my hair meant hairsprays and gels that would either leave my hair crunchy or greasy so what would i do i'd throw in a ball cap on my way out the door and call it a day rather than fool with my hair then i found samson's hair care their hair pomade is the best truly it has a matte finish so your hair doesn't look wet and oily and it's made with essential oils and other all natural ingredients has an all-day hold as well so you can be confident that your hair will look as good in the evening as it did when you left the house and it smells great too the best part is samson's hair care is a partner with an organization called life water samson's donates a portion of every purchase to help provide clean drinking water to families in africa how cool is that great hair is a staple in bluegrass just look at del mccurry and larry sparks samson's knows this that's why they're offering walls of time listeners 10 percent off visit samsonshaircare.com and use code bluegrass to save 10% on your order. It's like Samson from the Bible. His hair was legendary and now yours can be too. Samsonshaircare.com Code Bluegrass at checkout to save 10% off the best hair pomade you'll ever buy. That's Samsonshaircare.com Code Bluegrass. And now back to Walls of Time. You, you mentioned uh, your, your ancestors migrating to the, the Maryland, Pennsylvania area. Mm-hmm. And that Baltimore area in particular has such a rich history of bluegrass. How would you best describe uh, the Baltimore bluegrass sound to people that aren't from that region? Sounds silly, but it's around our way. We call it barroom bluegrass, not in a negative tone. We had Earl Taylor there forever. We had a guy named Walter Hensley, picked a banjo. Hard-driving, true, rock-solid bluegrass. Um great music they only played the clubs around baltimore town they didn't do shows a whole lot they didn't really uh, get uh in with the current bluegrass circuit they and a lot of that was clubs. before the festival scene yes, really took yeah off. there was no festivals you know the festivals hadn't started yet they did package shows country music shows and such you know but uh baltimore bluegrass is hardcore <laughs> and you go down the road 35 miles, and it's Washington, D.C., 
and it's just slightly more progressive. Yeah, a little slicker. Yeah, yeah. Just, and it's funny how, how it, uh, they never intertwined. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your your style of bluegrass and the southern grass has mm-hmm. definitely been described as hardcore uh-huh. by myself and others. <laughs> How do you embrace that label? Because it's, it's, that hardcore well, style is not for everybody. That's what we are. My current fiddle player, who's been a lifetime friend, is uh, Teddy Lundy, T.J. Lundy, we call him. He's an old-timey style bluegrass fiddler. He's a mix between old-timey music and bluegrass. Uh my son Ryan's a big fan of Bill Monroe, so he's listened to a lot of that. But he's put his own style on it. You know, he's, he's not trying to copy Bill. No, you, know? you can hear a little Monroe, yeah, a little Ronnie McCurry, Ronnie, Marty Ron. Stewart. It's all uh, in there. And Doyle Lawson's oh, always yeah. been one of his heroes. So uh, hardcore bluegrass, I think, is just getting in there and putting a hammer down. And you can even play a slow song. And still have a lot of drive to it. You Absolutely. Know? You don't have to be wimpy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wimpy about Danny Paisley in the Southern Grass. Uh, you mentioned uh, playing with your dad. Uh-huh. Um, having grown up playing with your dad, uh-huh. how uh, exciting and rewarding is it to now have Ryan playing with you? Very, very much. Ryan uh, started playing when he was just a young chap like seven or eight but he he was just basically going through the motions you know but he he watched everybody and the last six or seven years he's 19 years old he's just put it together and every show i noticed some other little tweak he did to it or and now he's starting to sing with me so i often think boy i wish my dad was here to be able to see this he'd be so happy you know <laughs> when dad died he always said to me he said uh, that boy's going to play and uh, i said i believe so and he said uh, so he left me his guitar his old d18 and uh, with the instruction to pass it on down to ryan so he knew it he knew it inside that boy was on pick <laughs> Do you uh do you think of your dad when you play on every, stage? Every show. Every show. Some of the songs we still do. I can still hear him singing Last Old Shovel or you know, the old swinging bridge or something like that. I can still hear him singing them. <laughs> what are some of your fondest memories of playing music with your dad? We went to Japan. Terrific. Oh my goodness. They just loved the music. Treated my father like he was a king. Uh they play in these auditoriums with these huge crowds. You wonder, how in the world they get our records all the way over here, you know? We went to Europe about five or six times, and we'd go down to Austria, and people would be bringing up old records for Dad to sign. You know, you're thinking, my goodness, how they got them down here, you know? And that's pretty cool, you know? You realize how far just a little bluegrass music is uh, going around the world <laughs> and you guys went to holland as well too, a lot right? of times yep to holland england belgium france all those countries <laughs> did you ever figure out how your your dad became embraced by such an international audience i think because it was real i think they uh they were searching for real music not not other styles of music and i think that's how in japan I, they're just so crazy over bluegrass music over the years you make so many friends and they come over here, and then uh, they invite us to come over there, and it's like, oh, my goodness, here they all are. You know, they've been trekking to the United States for the uh, last 10 years or more, you know. And uh, it's sort of rewarding, I think, to have people 
go out of their way to say, I got your record. Will you sign it? You know, and halfway around the world. <laughs> so do you think that authenticity factor about uh, hardcore bluegrass is, is one thing that, that has kept it uh, going all these years? I do. I do. I think realness has kept it going. We have a lot of great music, uh, but we also have a lot of digital music. And I think real music, jazz or even real country music, I call it, uh, people are drawn to that. There's something pure about that. <laughs> how, do you, how do you and the Southern Grass, you know, keep it real and keep it authentic? Keep it real. I always say you play the song. You play, uh, you listen to the words, you play the song. You don't need a big flourish of mandolin notes or banjo notes. You just hear the music, hear the song and listen to it intently what the singer's doing and try to copy that and not 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 just play every note you've learned you know <laughs> yeah put the emphasis on the song on itself. the song itself yeah what the song yeah. needs not yeah what and what it, you the song is about yeah yes. yeah you can play fiddle players uh, is the most unique you know you can play a sad old tune uh, or singing a sad old song and a fiddle player can just play one sad note on the fiddle real long bow and it can just rip you in half you know <laughs> <laughs> and that's what i love you know? yeah. <laughs> do you ever feel like the hustle and bustle of life keeps you from accomplishing your goals and staying on track? Have you ever felt exhausted at the end of the day, but yet feel like you've accomplished nothing? Help focus on your goals and stay on track with a self journal from Best Self Co. Whether you're starting your own business, a college student, or you're just feeling overwhelmed with day-to-day life, the self journal is packed with tools to help you get more done. With features including daily planning, a 13-week roadmap for your goals, inspirational quotes, daily and weekly habit tracking, and a place to record morning and evening gratitude. Best Self Co. offers a line of productivity tools to help you accomplish more. Check out all of their products at bestself.co. Use code BLUEGRASS to save 15% off of your first purchase. That's bestself.co, code BLUEGRASS to save 15% off your first purchase. And now back to Walls of Time. What are some moments where, where the realness of bluegrass really affected you, maybe at a young age? Like I was saying, that uh, Shenandoah cut-up and that music of uh, Tater Tate playing that fiddle, you know, and then Benny Martin playing with Lester Flatt and him, and, and uh, it, he was great, you know. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> old Lester singing a sad old tune, have Benny Martin or Paul Warren play the lonesomest fiddle break you ever heard. You know? <laughs> we mentioned that you've been in this business a long time from a young age. I think uh, Ryan said that you've been at this over 45 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are some of the most interesting sights and sounds you've seen while on the road? Some of the most eye-opening for you. Seen Stonehenge. Oh, really? Seen Stonehenge, uh, Grand Canyon. So on the on the traveling side, those are real nice, you know. Uh, Music-wise, I've seen bands that would never hear about, and just go, "My goodness, listen to that," you know. And they're, they're just some local guys picking some straight old bluegrass, or they can be playing sort of progressive style and you go listen to that they have no intentions of being out on the road traveling or nothing but you hear a lot of that you know (laughs) do you think that's one thing that makes bluegrass so unique i've always said this bluegrass as much as it is on stage playing is social 
to social music. Everybody connects with you. They feel like they know you. They want to know you, and you have to give that to them. They're, they're your audience. And bluegrass, as much as it is music, when you're traveling, it's a social thing. People come to bluegrass festivals, spend their hard money, camp out in some of the worst weather, pouring down rain and stuff, get their guitars out under the pop-ups and play music. You walk by, and they want you to sing with them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I've heard it said, you know, bluegrass that is a small part industry and a large part community. Yeah. How do you embrace that community aspect? Well, again, we're we're open to all kinds of music. We have a large umbrella uh, for our music, and it's ever-changing. We have young people coming in. We have older folks that still enjoy the music. So I take it all in, is what I say. Don't become a negative Nelly because somebody's playing something you don't like. Just just enjoy their talent. Absolutely. You know? You mentioned getting to travel internationally mm-hmm. with your dad. Particularly being a, a youngster from Baltimore and then getting to go to places like Japan and yeah. Holland and Austria. Uh, were there any culture shock moments that you experienced? Really in Japan when they bring the fish out and chop its head off at your table. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, it's still wiggling around as they're getting ready to cook it. <laughs> and Holland, you, you, you better like cheese as the old saying goes. <laughs> Do you have any other good stories about traveling internationally as a youngster? Well, not so much. Just I've had a lot of fun because went to Australia. That was, yeah, you go out of the hotel room and play in a festival, and down the street from the festival is a couple kangaroos, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and stuff like that. So that's that's really cool, you know. (laughs) How do you honor your dad and, and your dad's legacy with the music that you play? By um, never letting it die, in a way. Still doing some of the old old tunes. When my father was very sick with cancer, about one of the last two songs he'd sing was an old tune called uh, Hallelujah, I'm Sweeping Through the Gates, and In His Arms, I'm Not Afraid. So uh, we still do both of them. And uh, every time you do them, sometimes I can get a little choked up if I think about it. There's another one called The Old Hickory Cane, and uh, that's a Carter family tune, and it's exactly like my dad, you know, walking around the property line, checking out things, and walking with his old hickory cane, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What's some of the best advice that your dad gave you? Be real, be true, treat people right, and life is easy. And you do all three of those. I I try to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what you got to do. If you treat people right, you may have a good day or a bad day, but in the long run, you got a better reputation than somebody that doesn't. That's exactly right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danny. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, buddy. <laughs> Danny Paisley, our guest today on Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast. I'm Daniel Mullins. I'm back, and I'm here with my co-producer, Mr. Ty Gilpin. I'll tell you what. I have been a big Danny Paisley fan for a long, long time. His music, but even even if he never sang a note, just getting to be around Danny Paisley always makes you feel better. It's just a fact. Yeah, Mr. Positivity, love Danny Paisley. I've been a fan of the paisley music for 20 or more years 
Uh, I was working at a festival in Denver um, a while back, 10, 15 years ago. One of the jobs I had was picking up the artists from the airport, from the Denver airport, and bringing them over to the indoor festivals in the wintertime. And this is when Bob was still alive. I got to pick up uh, Bob and Danny and meet them on the car ride from which is a little bit of a long one from the airport into the, into the city and got to visit with those guys and meet them. They were there with the Lundy boys. And I just remember being so excited to be able to hear them live for the first time. And they did not disappoint. And I've been a huge fan. In fact, a guy that I play with, uh, Sav Sankran, who plays in our, our band. Um, in uh, August, we went up to the East Coast. We stopped at Port Deposit and ate at Jumbo Jimmy's Crab Shack. And a lot of Sundays, uh, Danny goes in there and plays. It's a historic a uh, great little uh, restaurant and venue where they have live bluegrass every Sunday, and it's uh, up in Maryland. And uh, fantastic. So a little sojourn there to see uh, one of uh, Danny's stomping grounds. If I could spend an afternoon eating crab and watching Danny Paisley, I mean, that doesn't get much better than that. That's heaven. That's heaven. Uh, I always love getting to see Danny live. He sings with so much heart and soul. His voice reminds me... Not in in style or in tone, but kind of like how people will describe Del McCurry's voice as being from another planet. Danny's has a similar quality. There's just something so unique and different about his voice. It seems almost like he crawls into every song he sings. Um, there, so many. I've got so many personal favorite Danny Paisley songs. Alcatraz Island Blues, one of my favorites. I'll Break Out Again Tonight, and, and many, many more. I loved him diving into the history of Baltimore. Baltimore area bluegrass. Yeah, barroom bluegrass. That's great. I have several Danny Paisley songs I just love too. Swinging Bridge, End of a Long Lonesome Day. I love oh, how, yeah. But if I describe his voice crawls into it, it's just, it's authentic, you know, it's the real deal. Uh, I read it's that Allison Krauss, that was one of her favorite. Uh, male vocalist was Danny as well. Danny, he's the real deal for fans of hardcore traditional bluegrass. Diving into the history of some of that barroom bluegrass sound, there's a lot of folks like Danny that used to eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. There was a lot of that hardcore sound that came out of the Baltimore area uh, that Danny was talking about. You need to check out the names on that list for sure. Yeah, once again, if you haven't heard some of these names or not as familiar to you uh, that folks are dropping as we're interviewing them, Uh, Be sure to check all these folks out. They are the foundation, the backbone of the genre. Next time on Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast, we speak with one of the leaders in today's Roots music scene. So excited to have Sierra Hull as a special guest on the podcast. Yes, this is a really great one with Sierra. What a fantastic artist. What a fantastic person. She talks about the respect she has for the role models that she had growing up. And uh, you see how she's become such a fantastic and gracious role model herself can't wait for you guys to hear this here whole interview oh yeah we chronicle her journey from child prodigy to the first ever female to win ibma's mandolin player of the year award fun fact for me sierra hull was the first person i ever interviewed for anything the first bluegrass artist i ever interviewed when i first started out on radio it's really cool to get to now have her on this podcast hopefully my interviewing skills have gotten a little bit better from when i first interviewed her about i guess it was probably be close to 10 years ago how old were you then? Uh, well, I guess it wasn't 10 years ago. It was <laughs> I was in my first year of being a broadcaster. My uh, radio journey started August the 1st in 2010. I was on Sunday nights from 10p to midnight. 
the bustling time that everyone is sitting near the radio is Sunday night, 10p to midnight. Let's put it this way. There was a reason I was on at a time when nobody was going to hear me except for <laughs> friends and family. Um, I was very green. Uh, how, I had a show called New Grass Nights that played all sorts of that long-haired stuff, as people will say. Nickel Creek and Old Crow Medicine Show and uh, also I'd you know seldom seen and J.D. Crow in the New South and the Punch Brothers and Mumford and Sons, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, then after a few months of that, I was uh, switched to Saturday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. I had a show called Bending the Strings. I can't remember if it was on Newgrass Nights or Bending the Strings that I had Sierra Hall as a special guest. I think it was uh, when I had switched over to Saturday afternoons with Bending the Strings. Sierra played at a cool festival uh, called the City Folk Festival that was a great free event for many years in Dayton and uh, interviewed her backstage on my laptop and I'm sure the audio quality was terrible if I went back and found it but uh, it was great it was a ton of fun and it's uh, super cool to see how she has blossomed into such a leader into the Roots music scene catch that next time on the Walls of Time podcast Ty where can folks go to find us on social media Walls of Time podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram, Walls of Time pod on Twitter, and of course on our website, wallsoftimepodcast.com. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast. We'll be with you next time with Miss Sierra Hall. Thanks for listening. Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast is produced by Ty Gilpin and Daniel Mullins, edited by Daniel Mullins, and is a production of Blue Poncho Media. Visit wallsoftimepodcast.com for more information.